0: Anita's opening there was uh, particularly good because our topic of discussion this morning is the truth. Mm-hmm. The text uh, for whoops for our uh, discussion mm-hmm. is coming from John chapter four and verses twenty one through twenty four. Jesus saith unto her, that was the woman at the well of Sychar there, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Now, it's not a paraphrase, but it's, it's uh, the truth. If, if we try to come to the Father way anyway, but in spirit and in truth, then we're not coming to the Father. Now, there are some distinctions. There, there, some of them are kind of fine distinctions. And in, in some cases, the truth and truth are used interchangeably, and the context tells you which of the two it's talking about. There's the truth, there is truth, there are truisms, and there are facts. They are not all the same thing. A thing can be a fact and not be the truth. You can have truisms. A lot of times proverbs are kind of pru- truisms. You know, the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. <laughs> that's, that's a true saying. But a truism is, is more like a stitch in time saves nine. It's a truism. It's something that usually holds true, but it's not the truth. And then, of course, the truth is always speaking about that which proceeds from the Father. The truth is always associated with God himself and Christ and the Spirit, but it, it, it can be traced back to and connected with the, the Godhead. Now, how Im- we're going to talk about a few things here. How important is truth? And how can we know the truth? How can we know that we know the truth? Truth, we're going to talk about it in context of the truth and knowledge, the truth and in ins- assurance and confidence, and the truth and apprehending the things that are of God. And that's what we're all in quest of. Now, the the, the scriptures, I'm not going to go through everything, but I, w- I want to anchor some of these things that, in the things that were written aforetime for our instruction and understanding, the comfort of the scripture. This is going to, to address how do we know that what we are listening to is the truth. And it's because God has spoken on it through the ages. And I'm just going to, like I said, hit a few points here to nail that down. Isaiah 26, verses 1 and 2 says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates which the righteous nation that keepeth truth may enter in. So he has, he has associated, the, and it's, he's talking about his own truth, not just that they're saying things that are true among themselves, but that the truth that God has revealed. That nation is associated with righteousness here. He, he's making a lot of, of connections then in Isaiah 59, verses 13 and 14, and that this was a confession, and we're picking it up kind of in the middle. in transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood and judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter.
1: Yeah.
0: So without the truth, there are a lot of things contingent on it. And you know, this this uh, phrase is picked up again in the Revelation, truth is fallen in the street. Then in Psalm 25, now I remind you, this is an open discussion, so if you have... if just because I didn't put it in here doesn't mean that it might not be relevant and you're certainly welcome to add to that in Psalm 25 in verse 10 all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies now David was talking there about walking in the path of of righteousness and in the way of the Lord well how is that done all the lord's ways you know his ways you can identify the lord's ways all his ways are mercy and truth and they will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness now that's that second part isn't scripture but that's the that's the fruit of that and then psalm 51 verse 6 behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the inward part thou shalt make me to know wisdom how do you know what you have is truth see it yields something it it does something when it's received and believed but to have truth in the inward parts now we're talking about a fellowship with God that's we don't have fellowship with God in a lie but whenever, whenever we do you will find in your inward parts uh, an evidence of that fellowship with God. Yeah. You'll delight yeah, in His yeah. Word. Yeah. You'll yeah. you'll be able to uh, have more understanding, even if you're if you're just a, a person who has just entered in. There are this the, the, the Spirit will bear witness with your Spirit. You may not be able to explain it but you will be able to receive it and believe it. So that's the fellowship. Mm -hmm. Faith always precedes understanding so far as truth goes. Mm -hmm. And then in Psalm 85, verse 10 and 11, "'Mercy and truth are met together. "'Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. "'Truth shall spring out of the earth, "'and righteousness shall look down from heaven.'" Now, when I read that, I, you, you can't help but think about Christ and his coming. Because mercy and truth, God could not just wink at sin. He couldn't pretend like it didn't exist. He couldn't ignore it because God, he, all of his ways are truth. God saw things for how they really are. And he doesn't back off of that. He was as merciful as he could be. But now we have a condition where mercy and truth have met together. They've, they've joined themselves together. And then when it says righteousness and peace have kissed each other, there is, uh, for lack of a better term, an affection between righteousness and peace. They're drawn to one another. They exist together. And so there's that mercy. And then, of course, truth shall spring out of the earth. You think of that root out of dry ground. And righteousness shall look down from heaven, the Father seeing the sacrifice of Christ and being pleased, which is the cause of of this uh, reconciliation between mercy and truth and righteousness and peace. Then in Jeremiah, chapter nine and verse three, and they bend their tongues like bows for lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. See the, you truth is something that we have to be valiant for. We don't just skim along and uh, without paying any attention and. Being negligent truth truth is not going to force itself on us. Truth is given to us, but if if we don't value it and if we're not valiant for it to keep it, well then we're we don't have a lot of good standing there. It's a very to to be as kind as possible it's a jeopardous position to be in. Because to reject the word of God is to reject God himself. Then Daniel chapter 4. Now this is the confession of Nebuchadnezzar uh, after he returned from the fields of grass. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. And he knew that because he was very exalted. And he had been warned a year earlier not to be prideful against the Lord. And then whenever he made his his grand declaration of looking at all the things that I have done without any regard to to God who put him in that position, then he was... He was abased. And the fact that he was given the throne back after seven years, that showed that it was a work of God also. Not just that he was like an ox and and the condition that he was in, but from that condition to be raised back to his former glory, nobody does that in a seven-year absence. Don't think there weren't plenty of people who would have been glad to take his throne for him and he was in a helpless condition it would have been real easy to get rid of him while he was out in the fields eating grass and his nails and hair growing but it didn't happen God preserved him he was like a tree that was cut down but grew again and so at that point in this saying Nebuchadnezzar had understanding then in Zechariah 8 verse 16 These are the things that ye shall do. Speak every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. Now he's talking about the truth. He's talking about the law. Remember, there were a lot of statutes that were in the law because people would not have been able to uh, discern the, the intent of the law. When when he said that you weren't to, to bear false witness, well, he had to make up some statutes there that define that and what would happen if you did, so you could know it was wrong and it had consequence to it. These are things that are written aforetime for our understanding. It's much, much worse to lie against the Lord. But see, they were taking... Whenever he says, "Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain," what does that mean? A lot of I had to speak to some students one time because they thought that just meant, you know, whenever somebody does something or says something, they use the name of God or Christ as not really an explicative, but just an uh, an exclamation of something. I hate the phrase "Oh my God." I, I I want to every time I hear that look at them and say, "Well, who would that be?" Uh, when I was in college, I sat next to a woman that would say "Jesus Christ" all the time, without any thought of Christ or without any any uh, reverence at all. And one day, I just had enough of it, and I leaned over to her, and I said. I just want you to know that every time you use the name of Christ in vain, I am personally offended with you. That is my Jesus that you're talking about. And she looked absolutely stunned, but she stopped saying it. That's how I felt about it. When I hear those things, I am offended by it. Because to diminish Jesus, to uh, make common the references to deity, is to make people less sensitive about the importance of of reverencing and giving yourself for Him, serving Him. This is this is this is all part of that. God is for me, and and what I want. They wouldn't come right out and say it, but but the way that they they address things, it's like God is the great genie in the clouds or something. Mm-hmm. And when I want something, you shine up that prayer life and you, you ask him for what you want, and then whenever you get it, you set it down and walk away until the next time you need it.
2: I remember talking about... about um, uh, a Bible class they were
0: having in church. It was a series of lessons in James, and he said we call it gym class. I looked at him. I said, "What do you think the mother of Jesus would be thinking right now if she heard that?" And he kind of nodded and said, "But, but this is the mentality." It's a lack of seriousness. Mm. Yeah. It trivializes things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When um, is it talking about truth? falling in the street the um you know when truth isn't believed or even when it isn't understood this, this can happen because if you don't you know, people say well i i believe well but if you don't have an understanding of what god's doing and and and, and what he's revealed then you'll make these kinds of mistakes i mean uh, you, you say well they're they're not a mistake well well to the person if a person is sincere but they don't have any understanding see, it, it makes it very difficult for them to advance they have to have that's why we have under shepherds that's why we have the, he's given some of the body to be able to preach and teach and why? because we've got to come up to speak we have to understand what God's doing right and once you understand it now you can now see you can the church is the pillar and ground of the truth if it doesn't have any understanding what's going to happen yeah. truth's going to fall on the street
0: whenever you first come in You believe what you understand. You understand that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, the only Savior of mankind. You believe that. That's what you know. But then that gets built on because it's deeper and wider than just that statement. But because you've entered in in faith, you can proceed from faith to faith. And another thing, I'm glad you brought up that... uh, Truth is falling, fallen in the street. Uh, the street is where the common people are, where the masses are. This is talking about a very general, very common falling away of the truth, that the people are not holding fast to the truth. Uh, we as a nation... The truth has fallen in our streets. That's
1: right. yeah.
0: mm-hmm. the, the people who, who profess that there is no God or that all, all the things that people call God are the same entity uh, with no particular relevance. It's just it's something that kind of holds their families together and helps them to live a good life and that sort of thing. Uh, no, that, that's an example of truth falling in the streets. So, I'm glad we have a God that gives us hope, and that truth will not fail. Brother David,
3: you uh, pointed out in Zechariah seven nine it says, "Execute true judgment." And Zechariah eight sixteen it says, "Speak every man the truth to his neighbor." Uh huh. Execute the judgment, the truth, and peace in your case. Well, there's the New Testament in that same thought is in. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Right. Uh huh. It's,
0: it's an exact phraseology.
3: Mm-hmm. It says, speak. Okay. Ephesians 4 25. Wherefore, put away lying. Yeah. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And verse uh, 15 talks about. Uh, verse 14. We henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried by with every wind of doctrine, mm-hmm. by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, they grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So turning away from falsehood and lies to the truth and speaking the truth, mm-hmm. and you were probably going to get to that. But
0: well, I mean, no, that's okay. I'm I'm very happy that you brought that up now. <laughs> So, uh, it, yeah, I meant it when I said if anybody has anything to say, I, I welcome that. I'd like to, to hear what you have to say. I'm sure everybody on live stream would, too. So, uh, in Malachi, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 7. Now, this is the last Old Testament uh, reference that I'm going to make for this morning. It says, if ye will not hear, and ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you do not lay it to heart. Now, we're, this truth, see, that says, in, in spirit and in truth, they didn't have the spirit like God, like we have been given the Spirit. But still, it has to be laid to heart. Now, your heart and your spirit have a connection too. What your spirit is, your heart and your mind will follow. Now, again, they didn't have what we have now. But David wrote things like, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation night and day he yeah. says the morning I prevent the morning in, in you, you know uh, reading your precepts he loved them he walked in the, the precepts of the Lord he knew in fact David uh, he talked about um, the, the things that, that were in them guiding him Whenever, let's see here, it was David that had all of these. When he says, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his commandments and his testimonies. He's witnessing the evidence of that in himself. He knew that without the precepts of God, he wouldn't be able to attain to any measure of righteousness before the Lord. But his confidence was in God. And he loved what God had said. And so he thought about them all the time. Now, that's a good indication when you think about the word of God a lot. Well, then that's a very good indication that you love the Lord who spoke them a lot. Now, we have them written, but he gave them to someone. All right, uh, going on here about laying this to heart. He said, Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. The dung of your solemn feasts. When people gather together in the name of the Lord and they have no thought of God, they're just there for the routine of it or to be seen of men or whatever motivates them because their families grabbing them by the ear and dragging them in there. Whatever the reason is, if it is not that we have individually and as an assembly gathered together unto the Lord with our heart as well as with our mind, then... This is what God thinks of that gathering. He doesn't want... That was a solemn assembly Mm -hmm. that he was talking about. A God-ordained assembly. But they didn't come with their hearts to the Lord. And so... And, you know, I I know a lot of versions, they... They they pretty this up a little bit. There's nothing pretty about dung. And... It's disgusting. We get rid of it. We have. We make immediate provisions for putting it away. Mm -hmm. But nobody wears it on their face. Well, there are some tribes, but they're heathen. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the in, I think in India, the the holy men put cow dung in their hair, matted up in there, because the cows are sacred, you know. Any rate, Satan leads men to abase themselves. He mocks them with, with uh, dishonorable things. But God said he's going to curse them for that. Yeah. They're, they're doing this. That solemn assembly associated that assembly with God himself, and yet God was not in it because the people were not coming to him with their hearts. See, he's the God of truth. This is the truth, what he just now wrote there. It says, and ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that is my covenant, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Now he's going to hearken back to the time whenever the children of Israel made, when Moses come down from the mountain, they they were doing all kinds of of, um, wicked things, ungodly things. And God said, who, who will be on my side? Strap your sword on and go out and slay every man, his brother, every man, his, his friend, his companion. Uh, and Levi did it, the tribe as a tribe, the, all of the men of Levi, It indicates it doesn't indicate that there were any exceptions. Mm -hmm. They went out and they did it. And God honored them. He took them, their tribe, as his tithe of the people. And they were specifically his and they were specifically dedicated to his work. Says my covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave to them gave them To him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Now this fear has to do with honor, of devotion. And and really, uh, you can't separate a fear from some kind of consequence. Like if you're a child and you have, you know, what would be a good family, loving parents, a good environment. You still have a healthy fear of your parents' wrath because they're going to endanger you, because they're going to harm you, because they're going to injure you. No, you trust them to do what's good for you, but you still don't want their displeasure. That's the type of fear. The tribe of Levi had more regard to to serving God And doing what was right in his eyes than to saying, well, wait a minute. We don't really want to do this. No, God said it. Mm -hmm. God said it. And we're going to... That didn't mean they took pleasure in it. I'm sure they did not. But they did it because they considered the Lord first in what he was saying. Okay. My covenant was with him, Levi, life and peace. That's that is the reply of God to love and obedience and a godly fear. And it says, the law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. Now, that's the, that's the office of the priest, but you see a, a, a pre, precursor of what Christ was going to be. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And so that's that's the stance of a truth bearer. They have the blessing of God. And when I say a truth bearer, I mean in, in any place in your life, whether you're talking with your neighbors and it, it, we're not, we're not saying that you've got to go out and you've, you know, you see your neighbor and then you say, thus saith the Lord and start quoting scriptures. But they see your your witness of what the truth is in you and God can open up their hearts. I, I've had people, now this is a real, this, this really happened to me. When I was first, um, I would, well not first converted when I was eight I I really did believe but I fell away when I came back I still had an acquaintance with the word of god so I wasn't like totally ignorant of everything and as I as I grew in the knowledge of the lord I really had a desire to share that with people and I couldn't because I didn't have a car, I really didn't, I just, I had been through a, a bad circumstance that left me pretty much without anything. I lived in a little trailer behind my mom and dad's house or I'd have been out sitting in the middle of a field someplace hoping to build a good tent. And, but I, I prayed, I said, Lord, I, I want to tell people the things that I know. I, I really want to be able to testify for you. Well, my dad, he was someplace, and one of his workers that would be around from time to time came to the house. I had him sit down, gave him a cup of coffee while he was waiting. But he knew the manner of our family, and, and he knew me. He literally looked at me, and said, so tell me about Jesus. I First I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and then I proceeded to tell him about Jesus. I was thrilled. He brought them. To, I couldn't go to them. He brought them to me and other opportunities at the laundromat, just all all kinds of places. I had opportunities that were welcomed. I wasn't forcing this stuff on somebody. The door was opened, and I was given grace to enter in. Now, it wasn't like I got to give everybody a whole, whole, whole lot, but we could address the things that, that they were inquiring into. So <clears throat> we've, uh, we've gone through, the, through a, a lot of them, and like I said, there are a lot more but i I didn't get up here to be your concordance or anything. We just wanted to establish that the truth God has spoken about the truth, and he has he has given us a record of his response to whether men love the truth or don't and it's to be taken very seriously. Now we come to John chapter one verses fourteen and seventeen. Now, Sister Anita, she she read earlier in, in one of John's books for us. And the Word, that's a capital W. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is associated. You, you read through the scriptures. And there is abundant association of Jesus and truth. Mm-hmm. And then in 17, it says, "For but The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The truth came to us. It came to us in the person of Christ. It came to us in the words of Christ. Mm -hmm. It came to us in the power of Christ for us to be able to imbibe it and receive it and for it to be engrafted. Now, we have several uh, several, uh, references here Mm -hmm. in the... Uh, epistle, not the epistle, in the book of John. John five thirty
3: three,
0: where it is written, Ye sent unto John, John the Bap- John Baptist, and he bare witness unto the truth. What was his witness? Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Who? What was the truth? Jesus. In fact, later he said, mm-hmm. "I am the way, the truth, and the life." He bore witness to the truth, being Jesus. The tr- everything that he was. He was a true. The uh, in Hebrews it says, "Express mm-hmm. image of God." That's in every respect. The image of God was the express. Every detail. In where Jesus went, what Jesus did, what Jesus said, how Jesus responded, what Jesus loved, what Jesus hated. He told, remember he told, uh, I think it was Philip. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, nobody else could say that. And he wasn't just talking about his physical face because it said there was no comeliness in him that we should desire him. I'm sure he wasn't like malformed or anything because the priest, it was required of them that they be whole in every respect. So you wouldn't expect any less than of that of Jesus. But he wasn't like uh, Absalom, who was evidently a gorgeous man and his hair thick and everything about him was he just you know he was to be admired well he wasn't a gorgeous man on the inside but so that's not the that's not the appeal that God was giving to us his presentation put more weight on what he did and who he was than on just looking on the outward appearance. His outward appearance didn't distract from who he was. It didn't keep us from hearing what he said because we were so busy seeing how he looked. Mm -hmm. So Jesus was the express image, but it's also said of him, he is altogether beautiful. And in his glorified state, I am sure that his beauty... we wouldn't be able to describe it. It's resplendent. He just, the same, The he, glorious. That's what it is, glorious. So, in uh, John 8 and 32, Jesus is, is talking to the, to some of the people there that uh, evidently some of them were believing I'm going to back up a little bit. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now that freedom was the freedom from the law of sin and death. It was a freedom from coming to God in in uh, statutes and ordinances, the, the things that were against us that were written. The law was good and just and holy, and it still is. And it's still there to condemn everyone who is in violation of it. But, so Jesus didn't put the law away. He put it a way as a means of becoming righteous, are right. justified before God. He came to make the law honorable. And so those of us who are believers, we still love the law, but we see the law in a bigger picture. We've, we find its fulfillment in Christ and us in Christ. Yeah. Jesus isn't the enemy of the law, so how can those of us who are in Christ be the enemy of the law? It's just we don't look at it as a record of things that we have to do, otherwise we're not going to be righteous. Jesus is righteous. And so we have been joined to the Lord. We've been made one spirit with the Lord. Well, there's no unrighteousness in that. That which is born... Of God says it cannot sin. Everything in Jesus is sinless. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a person that has been made free. Is mm-hmm. free, like yes. free to live like God. Yes, free to live like God. And it, it that's it's kind of like when when you were a child, you had to be told to do certain things. You had, had to be told to get in the shower. You had to be told. But see, once you grew up mm-hmm. and you grew up into that, you 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 did things without the instruction of your parents. Yeah, because you can see the reason of it you can see that knowing the truth brings you into this reason of who God is and why he is the way he is because it transforms you into that same image yeah
0: and you have you have agreement and fellowship you're not doing it because you learned it and well I better do this I can do this now that's what they did so I need to be doing this too it's like I agree with what that was. That's right. And the knowledge of it. I know what they were doing now. It was bigger than what I saw whenever they were imposing it on me. Now I get it. And uh, there's a fellowship in it, too. You know, whenever you're in agreement with someone, it's really easy to get along with them. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But whenever you're not is. Uh, As far apart you are in agreement, you're also as far apart in fellowship. Mm -hmm. You can only fellowship in those areas where you can come together. And then, uh, again, in verse 44 of that, uh, we're going to actually read 44 through 46. It says... And, and this, again, is Jesus talking to, the, it's, this, it's the same dialogue, and they're saying we're the seed of Abraham and we've never been in bondage to any man. And they were in bondage to the Romans while they were speaking that. Uh, but and, and Jesus was confronting them with they would like to kill him. That's what their desire for him was, get him out of the way. He's bothering us. So beginning in 44, it says, ye, of a, of, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin and if I say the truth why do ye not believe me and I'm going to go ahead with uh, 47 there he that is of God heareth God's words ye therefore hear them not because ye are not of God mm-hmm. Amen. so there you there you have it what do you receive if you're receiving truth that's of the Lord if you are rejecting truth and we're talking about the truth, this whole thing is talking about the truth, yeah. then you're rejecting the one who spoke that. Amen.
1: It, they, said, uh, they said, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man, yet they, they forgot about Israel being in bondage in Egypt.
0: Mm-hmm. They, fought, they forgot about Egypt. They forgot yeah. about the time of the judges when God yeah. gave them to be under the heathen nations, you know and like 40 years at a clip uh, they forgot about the oppression of the yeah. heathen during the time of the kings they, they forgot a lot of their bondage brother David and then brother Justin
3: they probably had to ignore that Roman centurion on the corner <laughs>
0: yeah that's what I'm saying while they were speaking it yeah. they were in bondage to the Romans yeah, yeah. they couldn't just go and do what they wanted to <clears throat> it,
1: it shows you how, how sin can delude your comprehension of truth and reality.
2: And, and and that when you forget the deliverance, you also forget the bondage
1: too. That you were in bondage. Because you forgot the deliverance from the bondage.
0: Yeah, see God several times uh, back in under the old covenant said, I'll take you away. Mm-hmm. Remember he moved he removed yeah. Israel mm-hmm. from their land. Mm-hmm. And it, Judah was was judged also uh, a little bit later in fact he said that Judah was more treacherous than her, her sister Israel uh, this bondage had more to do than just subjection to other men this bondage that Jesus was talking about right. was the bondage of sin he, he delivered them that were all their lifetime under bondage of the fear of death In other words, this do and live, this not do and don't live. They were (laughs) under the bondage of the fear of death. Mm -hmm. Jesus liberated us from that fear. We have life everlasting in Christ. We are all, the death that we died. Was there a fear in your death whenever, whenever you died and were buried in baptism? Did you go to those waters fearing that death? Or did you go to those waters embracing that death? I can only speak from my own experience. When I was baptized, I was, I was anticipating being rid of the things, my, the dead works of my, my life so that I could enter into newness of life. Well... The death of our physical body, I don't think anybody would, would go so far as to say, well, I can hardly wait till I die. I mean, in one case we can, but one man said, I don't mind going, I just don't want to be sent, which means he, he wasn't really fond of the idea of somebody killing him physically. But if that's what it took, hey, we're, we're, we've already passed from death into life. What a liberty to know that no man can take your life from you. That's glorious. So then in uh, in John 14 and 6, I referenced this earlier, but these are the words of Christ, so they're the truth. Uh He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If he had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. So, the way—that's not—that's not like the um, the directions. He's not like the directions how you can get to life. He is the way. He yeah. is the path. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is the, yeah. the 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 gate he he's all of those things if you're going to get to god he is the way and the only way you try another path another uh, you know something that departs from the truth you're not going to make it
3: mm-hmm.
0: so jesus is the way his person is the way for us he is the truth all truth can be brought back to the person of the Word of God and Christ, the Son of God. All of it. And you think, Jesus, he wasn't Jesus at the time. He was the Word, equal with God, with God, and he was God, only God I mean, there was nothing nothing else about him he wasn't a created being ever right. he was with God and he was God Amen.
3: Amen.
0: then he was the personality of the Godhead who spoke and formed the present creation it was it was Christ. Before he, was, before he was Christ, it was the Word yeah. that breathed into Adam the breath of life. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do we know about the Father? There are only two things that I know that we, we have record of coming directly from the Father. One, when Jesus was baptized and a voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased and then, whenever he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and only the disciples heard this, but they, the cloud out of the cloud, there came a voice saying, "This is my Son; hear ye him." That's the record we have. That's that's the only record that that I'm aware of. Are we are we out of time? Five minutes. Thank you. All right. So well, I'm going to hasten along here then. 14 and verse 13. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is the truth, brethren. Yes. This is the truth. This is what we've got to come to. We've got to come to the point to where every word of God is fixed in our hearts and minds as... Indispensable, irrevocable, unassailable. If God has said it, it's the truth, and what He has said will come to pass. Shall has He said, and shall He not do it? Has He spoken, and shall He not bring it to pass? He knew that under the law. How much more should we know the Assurer, the the. The solidness of the word of God that was spoken to us in these latter days by the Son, and then I think I'm, I'll just let's see. No, I think I'll just I'll just stop there, brethren. Uh, I want to give place. If anybody has been thinking about something and they want to say it, go ahead and say on. If not, we'll go ahead and dismiss them in, in prayer. Robert.
2: If, if the world is ever going to be influenced for, for for God for the truth, it's going to come through the church. The church is a pillar of ground of the truth. Yes. And as you can document, it. you can go back through history, and every time there's been darkness set loose, it's because the church has has fallen. And 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 this is ser- serious business because God's given specific great things to the church. And it's for the it's it's so they can declare it, so they mm-hmm. can make it known. Mm-hmm. And w- when it is made known, you have these great revivals that spring up. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they have been faithful to preach the truth, to stand up for the truth. It doesn't make any difference that they, they'd burn them alive. They'd stand up for the truth, and and that has like repercussions on on the whole world when that happens. So when you know, it may seem like well. There's not enough of it. No, there is enough of us if we preach in the truth. If you're standing for God and preaching the truth, it doesn't. You don't have to have a thousand people. You have to have someone that believes and is willing to preach the truth. And see, this is what God's looking for. And, and God gives and the our increase. our nation has fallen into the street as far as in the in the truth because the church has been declined I mean, you can trace it back, and you've got scandals. See, back at just 30 years ago, all of a sudden, 40 years ago, we got all these scandals that started happening mm-hmm. that tried to discredit the truth, discredit. See, this person did this and did this. Well, you know, which one of us? If you were just going to count iniquity, which one of us could stand? This was a ploy of the devil to get people's mind off of the truth and mm-hmm. off that the church is special and that the church has something from a God. Mm-hmm. And, and look at the result. Now it's almost it's almost a crime. For you to even be a Christian. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if this isn't coming around the corner. Why? Because yeah. the church, the pillar of God has mm-hmm. not held up the truth. Mm-hmm. And and all it takes is for God to is is it's you know He's doing all that He's He's purpose. Sure. This isn't just like something that we can that we can, right. that we can uh, control, but we can control our own perspective. Uh, perspective. Of when, when we put our hand to the plow, it will be successful, even if they put us to death.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So I
2: appreciate this topic and going over this.
0: So, yeah, we're we're begotten by the Word of God. We live by every word Amen. of God.
2: That's right.
0: And Jesus said, "Not a jot nor a tittle Amen. shall fail." World will pass away, yep. but my word will not Never. pass away. Amen. Okay, brother David.
3: There's a scripture, I think it's in Second Thessalonians, It says that to be saved, a requirement is you have a love for the truth. mm mm-hmm. That was brought to my attention just a few months ago. But you can't be saved unless you have a love for the truth.
0: mm mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Amen. Amen. See, so there's where the heart, the heart is involved in that. Mm-hmm. It isn't just a, a ritualistic exercise on the part of people. Mm-hmm. They love it. They yes. love they love the God of truth. Yeah. So, all right, well, we've run out of, out of time, and we're going to go ahead and dismiss. And I thank you very much for your comments. Our Holy Father in heaven, thou art indeed the God of truth. Amen. There is no word that can stand against thee because thou hast declared and you will perform those things which you've declared. Father, we thank you that you've given us to know the truth and to love the truth. And we pray for all of our brethren who also have known and loved your truth. We pray, Father, for boldness, that we might proclaim the things that uh, are given to us, that we would be careful to handle rightly the, the, uh, the truth as it is in Jesus, knowing that we are representing Christ himself, and by him thee also we pray father that you would abound toward us in the holy spirit who shall guide us into all truth and that our words would always be to the to your glory and to your praise and to your honor and now we commit ourselves unto thee we thank you that we have yet more that we can receive of thee this day we pray for open hearts for acute uh, attention and minds for these things that you would bring to remembrance the things that you have already taught us and show us the how that all the truth is really one truth because there is one God. And now, Father, we commit ourselves unto thee. We ask your blessing upon our fellowship and upon the food that's been prepared for us. And, Father, upon those that will yet stand before us and minister. We ask it in the name of Christ with thanksgiving. Amen.
1: Amen.